Welcome to the first episode of Preacher Profiles, a monthly podcast that gives you a closer look at preachers' lives across the country, hosted by Anthony Piero. This month, Anthony is joined by Ben Hall, who works with a newer congregation in the most populous borough in New York City, Brooklyn. As Ben grew up in rural Alabama, he never pictured himself as a preacher, nor ever living in the Big Apple. It's an interesting journey the gospel has taken him on, and so this episode is named Not My Way, But His. So how long have you been attending church services? Well, I turned 32 a couple weeks ago, so 32 years. Um, Growing up, my parents were really serious about faith and about encouraging faith in us. They never forced anything on us as far as making us believe exactly what they believed, but it was important for them to teach us those things. So my mom had been a a part of a a family that was really devoted to the Lord her whole life. My dad, uh, his family, uh, they loved God uh, and believed in God, but weren't very serious about a lot of the devotions of Christianity. So my dad wasn't ever really serious about any particular faith practices until he he decided to be baptized into Christ whenever he was, I want to say it was like early college, I think, maybe late high school. I can't remember. I think it was early college, though. And uh, that kind of started his walk with the Lord, and he got really serious. So he met my mom later. They got married. I was born. So that's been my whole life, I guess, is the answer. Great. Um, And what was your dream job as a child? Uh, To be a sportscaster. Really? Yeah. For sure. I would always, yeah. That was like how my parents would punish me if I misbehaved is like, like there were two or three NBA finals I didn't get to watch growing up as a kid and World Series and stuff because, you know, I had misbehaved. So I got grounded from watching them and stuff. But yeah, that was my dream job. Uh, and when you were growing up, who were the top sports sports casters at the time? Who was the, the guy? The one I remember the most, and it's, I don't know that it was actually the guy, but it's the one that sticks in my brain, is Bob Costas. Because he was doing the Olympics. I think he was doing the World Series at that time. Like NBC had everything, if I remember right. You probably know better than I do. Um, but for sure, like the first finals that I remember watching NBA finals was the, the last dance, actually. So the shot and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so Bob Costas, he was the one. Great. And for context, I know where you're from, but for our listeners, where are you from? Where are your, where's, where's your roots from? Uh, I grew up in Alabama, uh, went, to, went to college in Birmingham, Alabama, and then lived in Atlanta for uh, seven and a half years before moving here to Brooklyn. Great. Do you think that child Ben would be shocked to see current day Ben as a preacher? Uh, probably not. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. What, what age are we talking child Ben? Like five year old? Five or six years old. Yeah, probably not, I guess, just because um, faith and um, spending time in scripture and church and all that stuff was such a big part of our lives. It probably wouldn't have been a huge shock. It was never like a big dream per se, but it wouldn't have been a huge shock. Who were some of your early influences in Alabama? Um, you mean as it relates to what I do now? As, re- as in relation to preaching, yeah. yeah. So which preachers had a big influence on you growing up? Yeah. Um, I mean, outside of my, my family that were really committed to, you know, like my dad was, is an engineer, was an engineer, but, you know, he would help out at little churches that didn't have preachers and stuff like that. Um, my grandpa preached at small churches and it's my mom's dad. Um, so outside of those influences, though, probably the number one biggest one, we're not related, we share the same last name. It was a preacher named Bill Hall. He preached in the area. He would teach Bible classes. Um, you know, on weeknights and I'd drive over and learn and ask a bunch of dorky questions or whatever, trying to learn and better understand. And 
And then eventually that just kind of turned into a friendship. He was a really good friend, always has been a good friend and mentor to me. We'd go get, when I was in college, I started preaching around at little churches and helping out. I don't really know how that happened. People just would ask and I would do it. Um, but he was a really big influence. We'd have breakfast like once a month and I'd just pick his brain about how to help people, how to teach the lost, how to, how to work within church constructs and things like that. So probably like he would be the number one biggest. And there's a tons of other ones. I mean, um, but probably there in Alabama, he's probably the number one for me. Are any of your childhood friends preachers today as well? You know, in high, in high school, a couple of my friends, like, and none of us planned on it. All of us went to school for other things. But yeah, there's uh, three or four of my friends that I grew up with, and then even other people from other places that I met and got to know. But yeah, there's three or four or five of us. It's kind of funny uh, that we all kind of ended up started in doing this work, yeah. Nice. Uh, what was school like for you as a kid? I don't know, like everybody else. I was ready for it to be done so I could do stuff that I wanted to do. <laughs> so probably, yeah. probably I could have done a lot better than I did, but you know. Tried to, tried to make good grades and work hard enough and all that sort of thing. Were there any extracurricular activities or certain classes that kind of uh, pushed you into way to look at public speaking as a career? Uh, I remember in high school doing like a speech and debate class, but it was only, I wasn't like on a team or anything. It was like a one-time thing, uh, but that probably helped in just understanding how to communicate. No, I can't think of any uh, particular classes where that happened or anything like that. Probably for me where that that sort of education happened was the, the church and the churches that I was affiliated with growing up, uh, one in particular, but in that whole area, the churches there sort of made it a priority with you with younger people to try to cultivate and develop a sense of responsibility. Like, hey, what can you do to contribute? How can you participate in what we're trying to do here? And so that sort of inclusive uh, and even uh, there's probably a better word, but sort of demanding. Now, and I don't mean in an overbearing way, but like, hey, you, you need to step up. Come on, like you can do something here. I think probably that sort of social education in, in the church that I was a part of and in that region, churches around, they did a good job of encouraging that of young people to say, hey, however you're gonna make your money, whatever, that's fine. But you should think about how you can communicate the word of God, how you can serve God's people by sharing things from the word of God. So that's probably where that came from, would be my guess. Sure, and that's that's great to see that encouragement for all types of kids and growing up in the church. So, and we kind of touched on this before, but when did you have your, uh, I guess, calling moment, we'll call it, or when did you see that, oh, maybe I could turn this into something I, I, I could want to do full time? Yeah, um, I think it happened sort of in, in levels. So when I was a senior in high school, I only was taking, my, my last semester, I only had like two courses I think I was taking. And there was a small church nearby that couldn't afford a real preacher. And I had been, pre like I said, a lot of the church in that area would ask young people, like a lot of them would say like, hey, one Sunday night a month, we're just gonna get a young guy come in, right? So I'd gotten asked to do that. I'd never asked to preach anywhere. I didn't really think about it in that way. I didn't wanna like self-promote. It kind of made me feel awkward. Frankly, like doing the public speaking part kind of made me feel weird in general. But anyway, this little church, I guess, you know, they, they kind of had in their mind, hey, you know, we're too small to be able to afford a real preacher, so would you just come? So the second half of my senior year in high school, I preached every Sunday for that church, which is a really great experience. And a, there were a few factors about that church that really were helpful to me. But then I went to college and I was getting a degree in, in other, um, other things. And um, the church that I was a part of, I just taught young, taught classes for the young people and I would preach occasionally and all this. And then eventually the people in that church came to me and they were like, hey man, like we'd, we'd like you to, 
do a little more preaching. We'd like to even help you with that. So we'd like to kind of encourage you in that more. Um, so I was like, okay. And then probably the, the time, if you want to say like there was a calling moment, it was literally a phone call. I was getting ready to graduate college and I was looking at grad schools. I was thinking about the Peace Corps or some other stuff. And um, there was a, an elder in a church in Atlanta who I've known, I'd worked in a youth camp that he had personally coordinated for a few years. And um, he was like, hey, and I'm sure this is not exactly what he said, but what I interpreted from the call was, hey, we're looking to get a youngish guy who doesn't really know what he's doing, but kind of could help out because we had a lot of non-Christians in this area here in Atlanta and we'd like to reach him and we'd like to help somebody learn how to preach. So I went over, talked to the elders of that church and I told him, I was like, I don't really see myself being like a preacher, preacher. I mean, I want to help out in God's kingdom, but I'm not really looking to do this as like my quote unquote job or gig or whatever. And they were like, okay, we'll come for a year, do a like an apprenticeship training type thing. And then if you're done, that's fine. And if you want to keep doing it, that's fine. And it turns out I started doing it full time. I wasn't doing school. I wasn't doing anything else. I was locked in on that. And um, it became a real source of joy. I mean, I already enjoyed it otherwise, mm -hmm. but being able to do it full time um, was a real source of joy and excitement and a good opportunity. So that's kind of how it happened. For sure. Was it difficult to change any aspects of your life prior to fully dedicating yourself to preaching? You know, that's a great question. I don't think so, just because I was already in a transition anyways. You know, like I graduated college um, within a few months after I started preaching, me and my wife got married. So it wasn't like, you know, I hadn't established a lot of real life patterns because when you graduate college, everything's on the table anyways for change. And same for our relationship. Um, since we got kind of married right at the beginning of that, it wasn't like we had an established pattern for our relationship and then a lot of things had to change. So no, not a lot. I mean, I'm sure there are things that I don't recognize that were changes or modifications, but it felt kind of just like part of the flow of life. How do you think that preachers build their network best? And by network, I mean uh, other teachers that they can kind of rely on when they have questions themselves and also um, building their network and also uh, getting people to join the flock or join uh, their congregation. How do you think uh, people go best about that? Mm. And what are some ways you think work and what ways do not work? Man, that's a really good question. So as, if I'm hearing, it's kind of two questions. One yeah. is, how do I get enriched personally and encouraged and, you know, kind of uh, challenged, but then also more so when it comes to working with the church itself, building that. Um, with the first one, I think it's just always being open to listening and learning, you know, primarily reading scripture because by reading scripture and being devoted to what God says about things, you're gonna notice like, oh, that guy sounds like the Bible. And that guy, he's saying some Bible stuff, but he doesn't necessarily always sound like the Bible. You know, he don't always sound like God the way he's talking. So it kind of helps you lock in on who I think, it helps you lock in on the type of people you're like, oh, that, that resonates with me. And then I think um, just reaching out, asking questions. I mean, most of the best influences in my life, uh, and if you wanna say network or whatever, um, in my life in preaching, has been people that I ask questions of and formulate relationships, displaying some vulnerability, like, hey, I don't really think I understand this. I think a lot of times people box themselves out of some sort of constructive network because they act like they've got it already figured out. But part of that, I think, is just admitting like, hey, I could really use some help here and uh, you seem like you know some stuff, so maybe you can help me out. Sure. As far as the second piece, I mean, I think it's, I don't really know if there's a, a magical secret sauce thing other than being open and trying to build connections as broadly as possible and being open about who you are. Um, you know, I think a lot of preachers 
A lot of preachers are either way too open about being a preacher, but they're not really open about their own life and uh, and their character. And maybe I, sh I shouldn't paint with so broad a brush. Some people, this may not be an issue, but it seems to me sometimes that's how people are perceived if they're preachers, right? Oh, I know you're a preacher, but I don't know anything else about you personally. On the other hand, some guys try to downplay the fact that they're a preacher, you know, like, oh, I'm just a regular guy. It's like, well, yeah, but you also have kind of a strange, you know, at least to a lot of people, a strange job. So just being open about that. And the people who are seeking what you have to offer, they'll come and you can provide that and help them and incorporate that, uh, incorporate them into the work that you're doing among God's people. Uh, what are some valuable lessons for young men looking to become preachers today? Preaching the gospel is rooted in the Word of God. So if I don't have a love for the Word of God and a real tenacious pursuit of understanding the Word of God, then I need to really check myself on why I'm even interested in preaching. I guess going along with that, preaching is not a job. Um, it kind of makes me feel icky even now to think about it as a job. It's an act of service. It should be at least. And if it becomes just a job or a gig or a career path, then it's going to be really easy to slip into a mentality that's all about advancement and personal enrichment. And the whole point of it is I'm trying to serve God and I'm trying to serve others. And so I think it's really easy to get that twisted. And so I guess one way to check that is, am I really studying the Bible a lot? Back to the, the previous point. But also, um, you know, I've heard people say, and I think it's a great line, where some young guy will come and be like, hey, I want to be a preacher. And the, the older and wiser Christian will say, okay, who are you preaching to? And the point being, don't wait around for somebody to hire you to work with a church or whatever. Go do it. Like, this isn't something that it shouldn't matter if you get paid or not. Like, if you really want to be a preacher, then you care about people being understanding of God and knowing God and getting close to God and being saved by God and get out there and tell people about it. And it may happen that eventually somebody says, hey, we'd like you, we'd like to support you financially. We'd like you to come work with our church. We'd like you to be a part of our work. And you do that in that sort of capacity, but it's an act of service. That's really a function of your devotion to God. It's not a function of what am I gonna put on my tax form or what do I wanna go get job training for at a university? That's not what it's about. It's an act of service. So those are some of the kinds of things that I try to encourage guys with. What is working in Brooklyn like for you today? What challenges do you see in a smaller congregation that do or don't exist in a larger group? Um, as far as the second part of that question, um, resources, and I don't even mean financial resources, but just you're going to have less diversity of people. Even, I mean, some people would come to our, our congregation and be like, wow, this is a really diverse group. And it is in some respects. But the, the larger group is you have at least potential for uh, more diverse life experiences, more diverse uh, levels of faith, and therefore contributions that people can make to each other. Um, and that's certainly, and I, I gotta say, like with our group, there's a like tremendous effort placed by every member to contribute, to be a part, but there's a max level that's just natural. And if you have a few dozen people versus a couple hundred people, uh, you can contribute to each other's lives, maybe in some richer ways, maybe in some ways that are less uh, less meaningful than in a smaller, more intimate setting. But for sure, I'd say that's one big difference uh, or one maybe disadvantage of a smaller group versus a larger group is the amount of uh, people resource that we can provide to each other. Like I said, the advantage of a smaller group, I think there tends to be a, a, a you tend to be compelled toward intimacy. You can have intimacy in larger groups too, but you get compelled toward intimacy and, uh, and vulnerability in those ways. And that's an advantage too. So there's positives and negatives to both. But I mean, as far as um, what's been working well and challenges and all that, I mean, there's probably so many things. Right now, what I'm really thankful for 
is the people in our group, especially with all the stuff going on with the coronavirus pandemic and so forth, is people being willing to work together and even sacrifice for each other and kind of give in to each other's uh, needs and uh, care for each other, whether that means financially taking care of each other, um, checking in with each other, participating in virtual Bible studies, which are kind of annoying because you're not really in person. It's just a, a whole thing. But people being willing to do that. And I think that's a really good spirit and bond that we're seeing. Um, and we're getting more opportunities in some ways to tell people about the Lord because people who normally wouldn't be connecting in person, they might be willing to jump on a Zoom call or watch a video on YouTube or whatever. So I'm hopeful that there's going to be, while there's a lot of negatives for sure in this time, I don't have to outline those. There's definitely some cool stuff and I'm really thankful for the growth. I think it's been meant for me as an individual, but also for the people that we're connected with and for our church family. For sure. Uh, and then my last question for you today, uh, how do you best adapt to your work and home life when there's no true off button for preachers? Yeah, I don't have a good answer for that one. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's super hard, actually, because like you say, there's no off button. I'll tell you one thing I do is uh, at certain times, and some guys are way better about this. Like my coworker, he's just like, hey, there's just one day of the week. Don't call me. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Um, it's hard for me and for our family to kind of be that rigid about scheduling things like that. But um, for me, it is kind of thinking ahead like, hey, this afternoon from this time to this time, we're just going out and hanging out, you know? Uh, or, hey, after a certain time on a day of the week, I'm putting my phone on the charger in my room, I'm turning the ringer off, and if anybody needs anything, they're gonna have to wait till tomorrow. And that's just kind of the way it's gonna be. So I think just trying to draw some sort of even temporary boundaries but frankly, like that question of, oh, how are you? That's just part of the deal. And if you, if somebody's not interested in that, then this really isn't the deal uh, for somebody to, to be a part of, I think. Well, that wraps up our first sample episode of Preacher Profiles with Ben Hall. Uh, thank you for joining me today. Uh, and of course, if you would like to meet Ben here in Brooklyn, New York, they can find you at... Uh, we're on Facebook, our, our group at least, uh, we kind of have an outreach page called The Way BK. Uh, and there's a website, thewaybk.com, that people connect with us there. All right. Uh, as you know, during the coronavirus times, there is no uh, physical meetings yet. Uh, but get in touch and we'll uh, help you out if we can. Thank you.